Today we're going to talk, before we get started, God put something very specific and he, he led me to do this, so I don't know who this is for, it's, prob- it's for me, I know that, but I know it's for a bunch of other people too, then we're going to get into my message. But before we start, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus had just fed the 5,000, okay, this is Mark chapter 4. Jesus had just fed the 5,000, and then he said, on the same day, this is after he had, he had, had fed the 5,000, he said, on the same day, he said, let us go to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was filling But Jesus was in the stern, and he was asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He arose, he rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, Peace, be still. One translation says, Shh. That's just funny. I just think that's funny. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, I, I, people get offended if they say, well, you don't think I have enough faith. Jesus told them right there they had no faith. Okay? Just, just saying, read your Bible. He said they had no faith. Why is it that you have no faith? The, the, the comforting word right here is that us, sometimes, we all are in this situation. We start on a journey and then all hell breaks loose, right? Like this. Wind and waves and your boat's filling up and ah. Then we go to God and we say, don't you know what's going on? Right? Anybody ever done that? Don't you realize my boat's sinking? And Jesus is asleep in your boat. He knows exactly what's going on. That boat was never going to sink with Jesus in it, trust me. But yet, they said, don't you know, we're perishing. They didn't realize that Jesus was with them. So the word today is, Jesus is with you. Even if it seems like he's asleep in the stern of your boat. He's with you. He knows your situation He's not ignoring you, and he's not causing it, but yet he's with you. And he said, why are you so fearful? Have you no faith? How is it that you have no faith? And then they said, it says they feared exceedingly because they said, who can cause the wind and the waves? And who, who gets the wind and the waves to obey them? See, they were going, what kind of person is this that they make the wind and the waves lie down? Who is this cat? That's what they're saying. So today, the word to you, whether you're online or you're here, the word to you is, yes, there's a storm going on. Yes, there's a little water coming over the side of the boat. You're not lying. That's true. However, Jesus is with you and you're not going to sink. That's the good word today. 
There's a second part. You can go ahead if you'd like. Give him clap, not me. But you can clap for him. The, good, the, the, next, the next part of this word is this. So, actually, this is right after he fed the 5,000. Um, it says, immediately he made his disciples. This is Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening had come, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Now, I did a little bit of research on this, and it's a few hours across where they were going, okay? He was just a few hours across. They should have been able to make it in three hours. They had already been out there for five, and they were halfway across. So things were not going well, right? Things were not going well for them. Jesus was alone on land, and he could see them halfway across, straining. Here's what it says. He saw them straining at the rowing, for the wind was against them. Straining at the wind, straining at the oars, the rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, here's the funny part. Fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the water. Oh, you're good. I didn't even give them this ahead of time, and they found this. Thank you. Everybody give the people in the sound booth a big hand. Woo! Thank you. I got this when I was sitting in the front row, and they already got it up there. That's amazing. They must have, God must have told them or something. I don't know. Or they're just really good. But it says, on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. Now, here's, here's the word. This is how this breaks out for us today, in today's world. This is how it breaks out. Jesus gives you an instruction, and you're trying your level best to do what he's told you to do. You're using all your strength, all your brain, and all your tenacity. You're being faithful. You're being diligent. You're doing everything you know to do. You're straining at the rows. You're straining at the rowing. You're working hard. You're doing everything you can do in the natural to do. You're working hard, and you're not making much progress. Big smile. You're working hard, but it's not really working, right? And Jesus sees that you're rowing and working very hard at what you're doing. And this is, this is something that I have, I've just always been amazed at for 36 years. I saw this 36 years ago, and it's always amazed me, and it still amazes me, and the Lord quickened it to me tonight. It says, he came to them walking on the sea, and let's read that next one, and he would have passed them by. He would have passed them by. So you're working hard, and Jesus is walking over here. Now, number one, it's not enough that he's just walking on the water. He's walking on the water. He sees what you're doing, and he just kind of strolling. I can imagine he's got his arms out in front of him like this, and he's like, oh, they're working hard. 
And he just walks. It says he would have passed them by. He was getting ready to walk right past them. But what? When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. They said, that's Casper right there. They thought it was a ghost. And they saw him and they were troubled. One translation says, they cried out with a loud voice. And the word today is, God sees you struggling. God sees that you're working. He sees that you're doing your level best. And that's good. And he's not going to help you until you ask him. You have not because you ask not. See, he will. I mean, if, if you want to, you can continue in your struggle, in your own strength, for as long as you want to. But he's saying to you today, the word out of this that I get out of this that I want to share with you briefly here is that if you want God's help, you have to ask him for it. You have to say, Jesus, I need some help here. Or Lord, draw near, show me what to do. Admit that you can't do it on your own. Because you know what? They were straining and they had been working hard. They weren't lazy. You're not lazy. I don't, nobody thinks you're lazy. But if you're not accomplishing what you want to accomplish, you've got to ask God for help. And not just throwing up a, 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 a Hail Mary once in a while, okay? But really seek him and ask him for his help. He, it says they cried out to him, and then it says, be of good cheer. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then he went up in the boat. The wind ceased. They were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, for they had not understood about the loaves and the fishes. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and they anchored there. Now, so if you're struggling, you're working hard, you're doing your level best, I would say this to you. Call upon the name of the Lord. Ask Jesus for help. You say, well, that's awful. That's awfully basic, Bernie. What are you doing? It, duh, we know that. Well, do you? Because, you know, there's a lot of basic things that we need to be reminded of. Because if we don't, if we aren't careful, after we've been saved a while, we think that, well, we just got to do this on our own because that's what God expects of us. And I would say to you, no, you don't. You don't have to do it on your own. He wants to help you. If you can't find something in your house, stop, ask God to show you where it is. It's that simple. It's like, what are you worried about? Finding my car keys? Hey, if you can't find your car keys and you're late for work, it's a big deal. Ask God to show you. Ask Jesus for help because he wants to help. There's a, I had a testimony yesterday of a, two testimonies last night. We had the Jesus People event out in the parking lot. It was awesome last night. About 40 kids got saved and it was right out in the parking lot down there. And uh, amazing, we had an amazing time. And um, one of the testimonies that I heard from a person last night is they said they had been diagnosed, they had been diagnosed with, with, with cancer and they had gone through treatments and it had come back. And this particular person 
was a uh, uh, Roman Catholic, and they were sitting in their church, and they were sitting in the back of the church, and you're sitting there, and he said, I just said, Lord, I need you. That's all he said. I, I don't know what else to do. I need your help. This is what they've told me. I need your help. It's that simple. He didn't have all the scriptures memorized. He didn't have everything down pat. He didn't know that you got to know what's God's will for you. You got to know what's, he didn't know all those things. He just said, Lord, I need your help. They tell me that this is going on again and I don't know what to do. And he says, I felt the, the presence of God. And then he went back to the doctor some weeks later and they gave him the report, there's no cancer in your body. Just something as simple as that. As simple as, Lord, I need your help. Out of a genuine, contrite, and sincere heart, saying, Lord, I need your help. God's just waiting for us to ask him into our boat, if you will. He's asking, he's waiting for us to ask him in. He won't come in unless we ask him. He won't. He'll walk right on by because he only goes where he's asked and invited. He doesn't barge in. Okay? So we need to ask him in. Another, another testimony from last night. There was part of the crew um, that was here, the Jesus people, they were here. And one of the big, we don't have many here anymore, a big tower that had a bunch of LED lights on it was there. And they had a, a big backdrop and it was really windy. This was at their last city where they had just come from, and it caught, the wind caught the tarp, and the tarp, the banner, caught that LED tower, and the LED tower tipped over and hit a guy right here, a big LED tower, hit him right in the shoulder, just wham, right across the back of his shoulder. Could have easily broke his collarbone, or if it had hit him in the head, it could have killed him. But bottom line is, hit him in the shoulder, they took him to the emergency room. There was nothing broken, but he, he literally couldn't move his arm. He, everything was very super sore. And that was before the event started. So the event starts. The, the person sharing did not know what had happened. The person that was preaching did not know what had happened. And God gave him a word of knowledge, and he said, there's someone, you've got an injury in your shoulder, and God's touching your shoulder right now. And the guy goes like this, he goes, oh my gosh, all the pain's gone. And he's like going like this, and, and, he, and so he, he's totally healed, totally made whole, just like that. Because God spoke, in, God spoke through a person right into the middle of that situation and brought healing right there through a word of knowledge. And so God works in so many different ways. We're going to explore for the next 15, 20 minutes the ways that God manifests healing in our bodies and the way God manifested healing since the beginning of time. God has always been the healer. He's always been Jehovah Rapha. I mean, he revealed himself in Exodus 15, 26 as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, the Lord our physician. He revealed himself in Numbers 21 as the bronze serpent, when the people complained in, number, in uh, yeah, Numbers 21, they complained against God, and fiery serpents came and bit them, and there was people dying all over the place. Thousands of people had died, 
And Moses went to God and said, God, what do we do? He said, take a serpent made of bronze, stick him on a pole, and whoever looks at the serpent, they'll be made whole, they'll live. And Jesus quoted that very thing when he said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. It was a type of when Jesus was lifted up on a pole called a cross, and whoever looks to him will be saved and can be healed. See, so this was an Old Testament foreshadowing of Jesus in Numbers 21. 2 Kings 5, 14, Naaman was a high-ranking military official, and he had leprosy. And he, he, nobody could help him because he had leprosy. So he, the servant girl says, if only you were in Israel, I'd call upon the man of God, Elisha, and he'd come and heal you. So he goes and sees Elisha, and Elisha doesn't even come out and see him. Instead, Elisha says to him, through his servant, see, that's an example right there, because Elisha talked through his servant. That's an example of somebody who says, well, God needs to talk to me. And I would say this to you today, God is talking to you through his servant. I happen to be his servant today, and God is talking to you. And that's the what, even in the Old Testament, when, when, when people wanted to hear from God, God talked through the servants. So Elisha didn't even come and talk to Naaman. He talked through his servant, and he just gave him instructions. He says, go dip in the River Jordan seven times. Naaman gets very offended. You know that, right? You remember the story? Naaman gets offended. He says, can I, can I wash in the, the parpar and, and these clean rivers? Why do we got to wash in this dirty old Jordan River? Blah, blah, blah. He's complaining. He's going to go back just the way that he started. See, God gives us instructions sometimes just to see where our heart's at. See, Elijah gave him, God, God instructed Elijah to give Naaman instructions just to see where his heart was at. And he got offended, but then his, his assistant says to him, if he told you to do something hard, would you do it? And Naaman says, yeah. He says, well, what do you got to lose? Go dip in the Jordan like he told you to. So he dips once, twice, three, four. Can you imagine the servant on the on the on the, on the bank of the river thinking, oh boy, if he doesn't get healed after seven times, I'm probably a dead man, right? Because this guy was a high-ranking official. And back then, you could, you know, you're done. So he's four, five, six. He comes up the seventh time. It says his skin was like that of a child. He was completely healed of leprosy in incurable disease. And he was completely healed. Why? Because he followed the direction of the Lord through his servant. So that was following the direction of the Lord through his servant. Exodus 23, 26, in, in giving the Ten Commandments, one of the things he says in Exodus 23, 26, that I will bless your food and drink. I will take sickness far from you and fulfill the number of your days. If you've ever eaten dinner with me and I pray over the meal, I always say, Father, I thank you that you bless our food and drink, that you take sickness far from us and you give us health and fulfill the number of our days. I quote that scripture every time before every meal. Do you know why? 
because I heard Pastor Dwayne do it once. I'm just telling you the truth. That's why I do it. And when I looked at it, I said, that's a good thing to say over every meal, that you bless our food and drink, that you take sickness far from us, and you give us health, and you fulfill the number of our days. What you're doing is you're establishing truth over every single time when you sit down to pray over a meal. So that's the Old Testament examples, and there's many, many more of people that were healed in the Old Testament. And truly, he was Jehovah Rapha, revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha. Now, when Jesus came on the scene and his ministry started, one of the first things he did is he was walking through, he was walking through and he came to the pool of Bethesda, or the the portico, it had seven porches. And he said to a man, you have to understand the environment he was in. This was a place where all the sick people went. And there was this kind of an aberration that happened on a regular basis. It said that the scripture declares that an angel would come and stir the waters and whoever got in the water first got healed. So all these people came and they're all sitting there, and they're jockeying for position. And I can just about imagine, they're elbowing each other in the name of the Lord, right? Elbowing each other, trying to be first in line, and trying to get into this pool when the water stirred so they could be healed. So Jesus asked this one particular guy, do you want to be well? Now, by first blush, that sounds like a really silly question. I'm sitting here, I'm crippled, I've been here for 38 years, duh, right? That, that's, that's your initial reaction, it's like, what do you mean, do I want to be well? But here's the amazing part of that whole thing. The man never answered Jesus. He never said yes. He never said, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you can, he never said anything like that. In fact, he argued with Jesus because Jesus said, do you want to be well? The man starts making excuses. He says, every time I try to go, somebody gets in before me so that I can't get in. Jesus goes, okay, just get up and walk. Jesus commands him to get up and walk, and the dude gets up and walks. He hasn't walked in 38 years, and he gets up and he walks. I mean, he hasn't walked in 38 years, and because Jesus says, rise and walk, he stands up and he walks. I hope somebody is getting the picture here. When Jesus says to you, rise up and walk, you can do it because he's told you to. You know, the other time when, when Jesus was on the water, another account of the very same experience when Jesus was walking on the water, the, the book of, I believe it's the book of Luke says, G Peter said, Is, if it's you, Lord, bid me come. And so he bids him come. And then Peter walked on the water because Jesus told him to come. See, so when Jesus tells you something, it's so. It's not just, well, I hope so, maybe so, someday. No, it's so. Because why? Because Jesus says, rise up and walk. He said, do you want to walk? The leper made excuses. But Jesus said, rise up and walk. And he rose up and walked. So the, the main way that Jesus brought healing into people's lives was by speaking the word. He would just speak the word. 
he would give them a command to obey, like the, the man, remember when the man was sitting there? And he said, stretch out your arm. And as the man stretched out his arm in obedience to Jesus, what happened? His arm was made whole, just like the other one, right? So spoken word is the number one way that Jesus brought healing to people. The centurion's servant, remember? Go your way, he's well. The nobleman's son, go your way, be it unto you as you have believed. The, the, woman's, the woman who he called a dog, remember that one? She says, my daughter's grievously vexed. And he said, I can't take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. And she says, but don't the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the king's table? And Jesus said, wow, you've got great faith. Your daughter's well. He spoke the word. The woman was there, but the daughter wasn't even there. And she was still made whole. The nobleman's son, he says, your son lives. And it was reported the very self-same hour. It says the very exact hour that Jesus said, your son lives, the man's son began to recover. So the spoken word, whether someone's there or someone's not there, the spoken word is the number one way that Jesus brought healing to people. So that's, we can do that. That's what he's commanded us to do. Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do. So one of the ways that we bring healing is by commanding. Commanding your own body to function to the perfection it was created to function. Forbidding any malfunction, cursing cancer, cursing whatever it is. That's one of the main ways that we bring healing in our own lives and the lives of others by the spoken word, speaking Jesus' words. Are you here? That's the number one way that Jesus did it. So that's the number one way that I believe that it manifests even in our lives is by the spoken word. So not just prayer, prayer is part of it, but there's commanding there's commanding speaking also, not just asking God to touch them, but really, truly cursing things that aren't of God, like cancer or things that are malfunctioning, cursing those things, commanding them to die, commanding every cell that doesn't produce life to die. You say, well, that seems silly. No, speak to it. Like Jesus spoke to the fig tree, we speak to things. If there is... If you've got COVID, speak to COVID, command COVID to die, okay? I'm trying to wake somebody up here. Here we go. But as you speak, you're being like Jesus. The number one way he brought healing was by the spoken word. The other way, the other way that, he, that he brought it was through commanding or asking people to do something. Think about the 10 lepers in Luke 17. Luke 17, 10 lepers cry out to Jesus. There's 10 of them, right? They all have leprosy, incurable disease. Things fall off when you have leprosy. Hands, fingers, stuff, and then you eventually die. It's awful, okay? They said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. They're recognizing Jesus. And Jesus tells them to do something. It's really important. He says, go share yourself to the priest. Now, if the leper had gone shown themselves to the priest, 
and they weren't healed, they would be banished and thrown into a leper colony. I mean, that's just the way it is. But it says, as they went. So as they were obeying Jesus' instructions, as they were obeying him, healing manifested. It says that they were, Luke 17, they were healed as they went. The, the word healed there, there it, there's many different words for healing in the, in the New Testament. That particular word in Luke 17 is the Greek word eaomai. It's the, I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. It's I-A-O-M-I, E-A-O-M-I. It's, I'm pronouncing it the way it's written. I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar. All I know is that particular word means a progressive, curative, healing process. So this wasn't a miracle. This wasn't something that, not like the blind man or like the, like the nobleman's son or the centurion's servant where they were healed right now. But this was something that as they walked, as they obeyed Jesus, as they go, as they were on their way to show themselves to the priest, as they were, went, as they were going, as they went, the healing manifested in their body. They watched the wounds just close up. Can you imagine it? Ooh, I can't wait to see that on The Chosen, right? Give a little plug for The Chosen there. If you haven't seen The Chosen, watch The Chosen. So, but they were healed as they went. As they went, as they obeyed him, as they did what he commanded them to do, that's when they were healed. See, faith without works is dead. So you can say, you can say, well, I got faith. That's great. I'll, I'll show you my faith by what I do. See, faith without works is dead. So you, there's always got to be corresponding action to your faith. Okay? Whenever you have faith, you have corresponding action. For them, they believed the words of Jesus, so then they walked it out. They showed themselves to the priest. And then there's a whole other message about thankfulness when the one that comes back, the Samaritan comes back and thanks Jesus profusely, it says in Amplified. He thanked Jesus profusely for healing him because he saved his life. Think about it. But it all started with that first step. See, when Jesus tells you to do something, when Jesus tells you to do something, you make a choice with the first, when you first hear, when you feel in your heart that the Lord is instructing you to do something, you have a choice in the first 10 seconds. And that is, am I going to obey this or am I going to argue with him? Sometimes, even if you argue with him, like the man at the pool of Bethesda, he still has, has mercy and still heals you. But there's also times where if you argue with him, he'll go, okay. He'll walk right on by if you don't want my help, right? So there's not just this one, one way, one size fits all thing for manifesting healing. It's like obeying Jesus is the only one thing you can do but whatever he tells you to do, that's what you need to do. For the lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priest. For the other person, he never made them do anything. He just said, you're healed. Get up and walk. You're good. Pick up your mat and go home. See, so it's not about what you do. It's about listening to him 
and doing whatever he tells you to do. Psalm 32, it says, I will instruct you, yes, I will guide you with my eye. Don't be like a mule that needs a bit and a bridle that, to be forced to go where to go. In other words, he says, what he's saying there in, in Psalms 32, he's saying, if you keep your eyes on me, and then this is the old standard um, mom to a little boy who's, disbe- who's misbehaving, she goes like this, right? Anybody ever have that done to them? I'm keeping my eye on you, right? You better not mess up because I'm watching you, right? See, God is not saying, I'm watching you. He's saying, you keep your eye on me. And if you look in the eyes of Jesus, he will guide you. Anybody who's ever had parent, who's ever been a parent and had children, all it takes when they do something wrong and they look at you and you go, that kind of look, you know, they know they're in trouble, right? And you go, you know what they're doing? You're guiding them with your eye. Or if they look at you and they're afraid and you look at them and you go, it's okay. It's all right. Chill. Don't worry about it. I was coached for years. I coached everything you can imagine in sports with my boys and other people. And whenever there were certain boys that played for me that when they'd make a mistake and they knew they'd made a mistake, they would look at me and I had to always make sure that I was encouraging and not showing displeasure in their error or whatever it was because otherwise I would hurt them, right? Because they, if, they, if they made a mistake and I was going, like that, that would really hurt them and that, that's against my core value of being a positive coach and really building value into these kids. See, so you had to really, really be careful and say, hey, no worries, we'll get through this. Hey, don't worry about that. Next time, we'll get them. Don't worry about it, right? And what they were doing is they were looking to me and I was able to guide them because they were looking to me. And by being positive, then the next time the ball came to them, most of the time they'd catch it because they weren't all worried about in the mully grubs because they disappointed coach, right? So when Jesus says, I will guide you, the Lord says, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. So Old Testament, Psalm 32, he says, I will guide you with my eye. All he's saying is, look to me, keep your eyes on me, and I will show you where to go. You don't have to be like a, a donkey or a horse that needs a bit in your mouth and a bridle and someone to whip you to get you to go somewhere. Just look to him and do what he says. And if you'll do what he says, you get good results when you do what he says. Another way Jesus healed people was he touched them. He laid his hands on them. And that's a very common thing. Mark 16 says, Mark 16 says that we, we as believers, those that believe in the name of Jesus will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So we can lay hands on the sick and, and they can recover. You can lay hands on yourself and have them recover. So we can, you, you, just, you initiate the healing virtue of Jesus when you lay hands on people in the name of Jesus. And that's a very common and very um, amazing way to minister healing, pe- healing to people is by laying hands on them. 
Word of knowledge is another way, like I already gave you an example of. Spoken word is an example. And those are the, the basic ways that Jesus ministered healing. There was also strange instructions that Jesus gave, like there were strange methods. One time he spit in the guy's eye. Now, what's up with that? Here's spit in your eye, right? He spit in the guy's eye, and, and, and the guy was healed of blindness. Another time, he spit on the ground, made mud, and stuck mud in the guy's eye, and the guy was healed. And the, the other instance that I love about when, when Jesus was, man, was ministering healing is it wasn't always instantaneous when he healed people. The one particular one is, is, is great because he took mud, put it in the guy's eye, and he says, so, and he washed it out in the pool of Siloam. He washed it out. He says, so, can you see? And he says, yeah, I see, but men, but they look like trees, right? I see men, but they look like trees. In other words, yeah, it's kind of better, but it's not really better. So what did Jesus do? He laid hands on him again. See, many times when you see People ministering healing, they'll do just that. They'll say, they'll, they'll lay hands on them, and they'll say, so, on a scale of 1 to 10. And you can do a scale of 1 to 5. You can do a scale of 1 to a million if you want. It doesn't matter. The point is, Jesus said to the man, are you better? Can you see? It's okay to check up with people when you're ministering to someone. It's okay to minister to them, lay hands on them, and say, well, are you any better? And if they're not, do it again. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said to the man, can you see? He said, yeah, kind of, but they look like trees. And so he did it again. And then his eyesight was restored. So when people are doing that and you're in a meeting and people are doing that, or when you're doing that, it's okay to lay hands on them, command healing, and say, so, is it better? Don't be afraid to check. Okay, don't be afraid of that. And don't say, oh, you'll just, it'll be good later. You know, no, just check right there. It's okay to check. Jesus did, right? Jesus checked. So it's okay to check if someone's better. It's not a wrong thing to check if they're actually better. So between spitting in the eye and mud in the eye and speaking to the to the all the different situations. We see that Jesus did the Father's will. Everywhere he went, he did the Father's will. He did not ever do anything that wasn't the will of his Father. So if you look at it from Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers, all the way through the New Testament, it's God's will to heal. Sometimes it is actually a way that God reaches out to unbelievers is for us to minister healing to them. And sometimes, even before they know Jesus, they get healed. That happens sometimes. Where you say, you know, I noticed that you have a, a limp. May I pray with you? And watch God touch their, their knee or their ankle. And they're going, what the world? And you go, Jesus just touched you. I don't even believe in Jesus. That's amazing because he just touched you. He must exist. See, those types of things happen. And that's the kind of life that you want to be. That's the kind of life that you want to live. That's the kind of life that's, that's, that's fun. It's fun to live in, in, in a, a lifestyle that you reach out to people and you can actually help them.
because God is with you. He's with you and he'll guide you with his eye. He's always with you no matter what storm you're in. He's, he'll get in your boat if you ask him to. See, all those things all tied together to this, that God loves you right now, right where you are. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've been through, God loves you. And Jesus died for you and he has a plan for your life. No matter what is going on in your life, God has a plan. And maybe what's going on right now isn't God's plan. Maybe it's, it's chaos. Maybe there's all kinds of crazy, crazy, crazy going on right now. But the reality is Jesus wants to speak peace to your storm. He wants to get in your boat. All the things that we talked about tonight. And he wants to manifest healing in your body if that's what you need. But you got to ask. You got to ask him. Anybody can be the servant that Elisha sent to Naaman. You can be that servant. You can be that servant that God sends to answer the prayer of that person that you come in contact with. If I can, if I could just, if I could just help everyone see one little truth here walk out with a nugget and that is this you have treasure on the inside of you the Holy Spirit and his gifts are inside of you and you have treasure and you can help others you can help yourself but you can also help others if you're willing and if you're able and if you're, if you're willing basically you can help others it's not you that's doing it. It's the Holy Spirit through you. But you can do it. You can help others. You say, oh, I don't feel qualified. Here, just do this. You're rowing your boat. Yeah, you're not qualified. So if you say to me, I'm not qualified, you know what I'm going to say? I agree. You're not qualified. Neither am I. Next question. None of us are qualified. None of us are qualified. However, if you're available... If you're available, God will use you. And he will use you to bless others. See, he'll use you to help someone know that they're known and loved by God. If you're willing and if you're available. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that today we're willing and we're available for you to use, for you to reach out. We will look to you and we will allow you to guide us with your eye. We ask you to come into our boat and we ask you to speak to our storm. And now we speak to our storm and we command the wind and the waves to cease because you're in our boat, Jesus. And we thank you. Lord, we thank you that it's your will that we walk in your word. It's your will that we walk in your kingdom. It's your will that we walk in your truth and that we're a blessing to those around us. Tonight, we ask that you would pour out your spirit. We ask that you would speak to us on our beds. Tonight, when we're sleeping, just speak to us. Give us dreams. Show us your will. Give us visions of laying hands on the sick. Give us visions of, of 
given words to people. Give us visions and imaginations of, of walking in your power in the earth because that's your will that we would walk in that same power that Jesus walked in when he was on the earth and the same Holy Spirit that came upon him will, comes upon us and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us and quickens our mortal bodies. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your truth. And thank you, Father, we just pronounce blessing over your people tonight. We just speak blessing, blessed, coming in, blessed going out, in Jesus' mighty name, amen.